This podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program, dedicated to inspiring and empowering HSPs. Hi, and welcome to the HSP World Podcast. With each episode, we invite a guest with the HSP trait to have a conversation about a burning HSP-related question they have. We're not coaches or therapists. We're HSPs holding space with you. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, and your other hosts are... Robin. And Rain. Welcome back, everybody, to another HSP World Podcast episode. With us today, we are joined by Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Happy to have you here today. Thanks for joining in. So, so glad to be joining you for today's session. Lucy, why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about your HSP story? How did you find out about having the trait? Sure. So I, I, think, I think my HSP story and how I came close to the, to the term and to the HSP world is how I, I realized that I always had a deeper relationship with people and how I, I could always involve myself a lot. And, and it was always like all of my friendships were really intense for me and uh, growing up and I had friends who were really in uh, kind of bad situations and being there for them was really important for me and uh, it felt like it was affecting me more than maybe some other friends that we had in common and and so yeah coming from that I guess it's kind of the basic story I just oh I, I think I think something is different about me let's uh, google it and find out and <laughs> yeah this, this is how I this is how I found out about HSP people and how much I related to it and yeah, short story. All right. Cool. Thank you. So feeling different and Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> A few HSPs <laughs> have found out about their trait that way, I think. <laughs> but it's interesting what you said about friendships. I know that intense relationships and friendships is a a theme that crops up for a lot of HSPs. Uh, and I believe you have a question about that today, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as I said, I have had friends that tend to be in really a uh, 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 bad situations and I, I think I think I've read that it's really common for HSPs to tend to uh, attract people who can like let go of the problems with you and and I found myself several times to be so involved in those relationships that it was really hard for me to tell how I was feeling at that point because I was so overwhelmed with their feelings and how, how I was dealing with their feelings and so yeah I guess my question for you today is how can you set boundaries with the people and how can you preserve your emotional integrity to well, I guess in a way to protect yourself and for many other factors. Mm. Okay, very important question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how you brought up the word boundaries, Lucy. I like how you brought up the word boundaries because I feel like it's an important, it's an important point. For me as an HSP, we tend to observe more um, and that's just our default. It's, it's part of the DOES acronym that Elaine Aaron talks about. And I feel like you combine that with, you know, other factors like the current culture where sensitivity is, is, you know, a lot of people aren't in touch with their emotions and that type of thing. And projection, a lot of people can tend to project and so can HSPs for sure. So I think it's a really important question to look at and think about because those kinds of things they can drain your energy right they can really drain your energy when sometimes somebody 
you know, all they really want is uh, somebody to listen, not necessarily, you know, <laughs> they don't want to know how to fix it. They just want validation that they're being heard. But then you get those people in certain times in their life where they're just, they're trying to deal with something and they don't know how to deal with it. And so it keeps coming up for them, right? So what do you think, Robin? Um, actually, Lucy, if I'm not putting you too much on the spot here, before we recorded, I know that you mentioned a little bit, a specific scenario that you had gone through. I don't, I wonder if you Oh, oh, yeah. Go into as much detail or as you like or not, but if you could tell us, give us a little bit more background information about what prompted your question. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm not sure which one you're referring to. I think I referred to two different experiences. One of them was, I think, five years ago, I had a friend who went through cancer and it was really hard for for her. We were in high school at that time. And like at the beginning, the whole class was like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to support her. And, and like, I was was able to be there for her. And in the end, like, it was mostly two friends and I, uh, 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 two, two friends, like me and my friend who were here for her. And I, I guess that other friend is also an NHSP. I think she's on, she must be on a journey. And, and yeah, like, the, the way we were here for her, it was really like, I, I, we, we bonded in such a way. And it was really intense for me that at the time, it was, I was so flooded by her, like by dealing by her dealing with her impending uh, death because she ended up passing from from uh, cancer, and like yeah, mm-hmm. being there for her and being uh, taking it take, taking it all in was really uh, overwhelming for me, and I ended up not not being able to deal with those feelings because even even when she passed, I had to uh, support the, the emotional support for all of our friends who were grieving, and I, yeah, I ended up only being able to deal with that few months later when everything was calmed down and it was well actually I, I moved to college and I was away from all those people and but I ideally love them of course but like yeah being away from it finally allowed me to be able to deal with my grief mm. okay thanks for explaining yeah I think what I hear in your story well let's start with you know why is it difficult for for HSPs to put their boundaries or why might they find themselves in a situation where they're trying automatically to be the helper above and beyond what is asked of them above and beyond what other people might be doing. I think Rain mentioned something you know the fact that we are taking in more information that we are noticing things where you know we might be noticing more than other people how this person needs help how we might be of help, right? And then often there's a heightened empathy that will come along with high sensitivity. So being able to really put ourselves in the shoes of the person who is uh, in trouble or suffering or in pain. And all of these can really combine (laughs) to put us in a position where we feel like, of course, we ought to be helping even to our own detriment, right? Some people, for some people, this may go back to their childhoods as well. I've have read a couple of books on this. Some psychologists will say that, you know, when, if a child is more attuned to the needs of their parent, or if they're put in a position where they're, we could sometimes say parentified, right? Where the needs of the parent are coming across so strongly, for example, the need for the child to just be well-behaved because the, the, the parent is too stressed or the need for the child to take over child rearing of their siblings, because again, the, the parent is overwhelmed or sick, or somehow just not able to be there, right? So this is something that any child in this position may end up becoming more sensitive to the needs of others. And 
automatically taking on a caregiver role, helper role. But especially if you are an HSP child, you're more susceptible to that. So again, I'm not saying this is a cause and effect, right? This is another contributing factor. So anyone who's listening and identifies with this kind of go back into your childhood and ask, like, was that something that may have been a factor here, right? And if not, okay, just by virtue of being someone who's more attuned, you you may again find yourself in that situation. But I think often there's a combination of people who are highly sensitive already and then may have been to varying degrees. If you're highly sensitive, maybe your parents didn't even put you in a a strong situation where you really needed to help, right? It may just have just been a slight call for your attention to go one way or another. And because you were highly sensitive, you picked up on it very, very readily, right? But often these two factors coming together may lead to people when they're older, often putting themselves very readily in that situation. And there is a difference. I think we should be making a distinction and, and many things in your stories really did point that out. This is not just someone who wants to help. It's not just oh, my friend needs help, I'm going to help them, right? It's helping the other person, even when you haven't necessarily been asked to, when it's not your, I don't know, professional or social role to do so, right? Going above and beyond what you've been asked to do. And the most important thing is that, as you said, Lucy, you help this person and then the other people who are affected by the situation to the detriment of your own grief and your own need to process what you are feeling. So what we're talking about is, I mean, of course you want to help, help. Great. Right. That's not, uh, we're not suggesting you shouldn't be supporting other people, but the, the difficulty, I think the challenge is where you're helping in a way that doesn't leave room for your own needs. So that's where the boundary comes in, right? A boundary is being able to protect your need for emotional space or time or whatever it is that you need to take care of yourself and, and heal from what you're going through. Yeah, exa- exactly. That was a, a really well said. Exactly what I was, what what was on my mind. Thank you, Robin. Mm. Yeah, and it can come. It can it can come down to beliefs too, right? Like, why, you know, why do I, why is it I feel like I have to put my emotional well being on the back burner and support all of my other friends, you know, after your friend passed, why is that my job? Right? Yeah. Yeah, like you, you didn't, sometimes you don't feel like you really asked for it, but but also there, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's something other people uh, can feel in that situation, but I remember at that time, a lot of people like, oh my God, Lucy, you're so strong. And I was, I didn't, I didn't feel strong. I was just, I was just there and yeah. And Yeah. So sometimes I think I've heard a few HSPs describe this, that they will naturally find themselves in a supportive or caregiving role. And it's because they are actually very good at listening. They are good at attending to and leaving room for others. I mean, I've even heard some wacky stories where HSPs said that, you know, they went to to therapy and they ended up listening to the therapist, (laughs) (laughs) which I mean, you know, that's a multiple boundary issues there, but I think it, you know, it, there's a certain logic to it, right? If you're naturally good at something, if you're great at throwing parties, you know, you're the person that everyone's going to come to and say, Hey, can you organize this party for us? Can you put this event together for us? Right. And at first you may say, well, you know, 
sure, it's easier for me than for other people. It feels normal. It's something I believe in. It's something I'm used to. Why not? Right. And, and again, I, I think it's okay to play to your strengths and to say, well, if I can use what I'm good at, my natural skills to help someone make someone's life better, especially a, a close friend, why not? So again, that's not the issue. But I think I was actually talking about this recently with a, another friend and we we're talking about how we do often when we see how we can help somebody, you know, in the past, I know I've often like tried to step in, even if it's been unsolicited. And I've had to learn over time that that's not a healthy situation to be in. If someone has not asked for your help or if there isn't a, a reason for you to step in this particular role of help, then you're kind of on shaky or even dangerous ground, right? There's a reason people are paid to provide emotional support and mm -hmm. therapy and care and all of these things. Like there's a reason why the caring professions are professions and why people go to school to be trained and then receive compensation for them because it is work. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is skilled work mm -hmm. and it's not something to be taken for granted, mm -hmm. you know? And I think we have to recognize in the same way that like, Although I could imagine this happening to an HSP too, but in the same way that you wouldn't like build someone's house for them and not expect something, some kind of compensation in return. Although like, again, if your boundaries are really bad, I could see an HSP <laughs> embarking on even a very concrete project where they give up their time and energy and materials and though they're not, you know, necessarily asking for fair compensation in return. But I think it's sometimes easier to spot in the concrete cases and harder to spot in the emotional support cases. I, I just want to acknowledge what, what a wonderful gift you have, Lucy, for mm. being able to provide that to people, you know, to have that, that ability and that empathy to be with other people when, you know, when they're hurting or when they are going through difficulties. Because I, I know for myself, my my sort of reaction is run away, you know, <laughs> for me. <laughs> and, and that's because, I mean, part of that, that run away feeling for me is like to protect my sensitivity. Mm. But it also is because when I grew up, I, I was not taught to be empathetic. And so for me, empathy is something that I've had to learn <laughs> over many, many years to, you know, to really work at it. And it's still, you know, something that's not natural the way it sounds like it come, comes to you. So I just want to acknowledge that and just say, I'm really in awe of people who do that. But there is that aspect where you do have to protect yourself. And I suppose a lot of that comes down to learning your, your own signals and sort of learning to listen to yourself Mm -hmm. and to start recognizing those signs of overwhelm and those signs of, oh, I need some stuff. I need something here. I need to, I need to step back. I need to take some time for myself. I need some quiet time or, or just some away time so that I can regain my strength. And if I want to, you know, go back and, and continue helping, continue listening to people. Coming up, Robin tells a parable to illustrate why we need good boundaries. We'll be right back after this. 
Our podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program with a mission of inspiring and empowering highly sensitives so you can use your natural creative abilities to co-create an amazing and hope-filled future. The HSP World Mastery Program uses data-driven, positive tools and methods supporting your growth in a way that's gentle, thoughtful, and caring, with an emphasis on positive impacts and results on your daily life. You can learn more about the HSP World Mastery Program by visiting hsp.world forward slash mastery. Now let's return to our podcast. I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but there's that parable of the goose that lays the golden eggs. Do you guys know this one? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, well, I'll try to remember it. <laughs> so I think it goes that, you know, a man happens to find a goose and he says, okay, I'll bring it on my farm. And then one day the goose lays a golden egg. He goes, ha, that's pretty cool. You know, it's a solid gold egg. This is very valuable. He shows it to his wife. She says, that's fantastic. Let's get some money for it. They do. And they're like, wow, that was cool. That was really lucky. They go to bed. They wake up the next day and the goose has produced yet another golden egg. And they're like, wow, this is really great. Okay. You know, two golden eggs. They sell it again. And then, you know, it keeps happening the next day, another egg, the next day, another egg. And it goes on for some time. And they're like, this is great. We can buy a better farm. We can buy a better house. At some point we can retire from farming. We get a little golden nugget from this goose every day. Isn't that great? But as their standard of living increases and at some point, they're like, you know, if we want to keep upgrading and keep ourselves on our level of comfort to which we've become accustomed, we're going to need more. And in many stories, it's the wife. I don't know if that's a fair version, but in many stories, it's the wife who says, you know what we should do? You should open up that goose and see if there's more eggs inside. So the farmer says, okay, great. So he goes, he opens up the belly of the goose. There was maybe one egg in there, but of course, to get it. He had to kill the goose. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine what happens, well, after that, there's no goose, there's no eggs. So the takeaway of this story uh, is supposed to be that if you have something that's producing something of value, or if you have a way of producing something of value, you still have to work within the confines or the constraints um, of whatever you need to produce that thing. You can't hurry up the process. And often if we do try to hurry up or lean more heavily on the process, we'll just exhaust the, the source and no longer be able to get it. And I do think there's something analogous here for HSPs, right? If we're naturally very good at listening and supporting and being present for others, mm -hmm. if we lean too heavily on that, mm -hmm. if we say, oh, you're good at that. Great. Now, you know, two eggs a day or, or more and like, Let's try to mine ourselves for more and more caregiving. Uh, eventually, we get to a point where we're trying to open up the goose to get what's inside and not being in a state where we can continue to produce that thing that everyone values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good story. It's a good story, Robin. And also, too, it's not really readily identifiable at the time. Like say, so Lucy, for you, it was your friend was dealing with cancer, you know, in most 
societies and cultures, death is feared. So people's anxiety is quite high when it comes to that topic, right? So it kind of makes sense that things related to death, like grief and, you know, all of those sorrow, all those kinds of things, those would be things that people wouldn't feel capable of addressing those emotions within themselves, right? But the thing about it is, is it's part of life. You know, it's, it is a natural part of life. You know, we may have been taught to fear it or whatever, but it's just, it's a fact of life. And sometimes we can actually stand in the way of other people developing their own tools and resources and ways of dealing with it. Because if they have to deal with it on their own, then they do then they will develop those tools. You know, it's kind of like you take that experience away from them. I mean, you don't in the long term. In the long term, everybody has to deal with it, right? But you wear yourself out and burn yourself out and it doesn't do you any good. And really it wasn't doing them any good, right? I think that's a very good point. I I, I think I I never thought about it that way that like, yeah, like taking it all in in, in a way you can uh, prevent them from feeling as deep as they should. Or mm-hmm. no, that's a very good point, Wayne. Thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Just another reason to kind of go. You know, is this really helping or hindering? You know, on the surface it may look like it's helping, but underneath, you know, it's not it's a reflex thing it's something we're good at it's something other people know we're good at so it's a a reflex thing to do it but you know if you kind of stand back and look at it it's well who is this really benefiting is it benefiting me is it benefiting them you know and number one you have to look after yourself and sometimes in doing that in saying hey look I'm sorry I can't be there for you I'm trying to process my grief for my friend's in my own way and you know then you allow space and and are showing them you however you you know is best for you to deal with that's you know you can you're entirely capable of figuring it out (laughs) you you know you have the strength within you to figure it out I'm figuring it out for me right yeah that's a good point yeah just kind of opens it up and allows everybody the space and the freedom to delve into their own feelings because it means something different to everybody, you know, death and sorrow and all of that type of thing. It's, it's different for everybody. Everybody's had their own experiences or non-experiences with it, you know, as the case may be sometimes. Right. That's a really good point. One thing that I found incredibly helpful to me is to just have a daily ritual whether that's taking a walk every day by myself or doing just a little bit of journaling, like a check-in, or even just sitting down and checking in, just sort of sitting down and saying, oh, you know, how am I doing? What's going on in my life right now? Is there anything that I need to attend to? But for me, at least, it's that ritual part of it, the the fact that I do it every day. One of the things that I do is I do a a daily check-in and just a little bit of journaling 
And I find that incredibly helpful just to write down and say, well, how are things going, you know? And it may be only three or four sentences. Typically, that's all it is, just three or four sentences. But I do it every day, and, and that way I can sort of just gauge. It's like, okay, I'm doing okay, you know, or maybe I need to pull back on something or whatever it might be. Yeah, I really like that idea, Thomas. And I think in a previous episode, we talked a bit about trying to establish a baseline, mm. right? Establishing like, what does it feel like when I am respecting my own needs and when I am giving myself enough time or space or whatever it is that I need. And then if you have a routine or a ritual built in where every day you're able to come back to that and see, okay, how far am I off? Then it makes it easy to, to easier. It's not always easy, <laughs> but it makes it a little bit easier or clearer to regain the balance, you know? So instead of saying like, I need to cut out myself off from these people in this, because if we wait too long, then it takes big dramatic gestures to reset the balance. And sometimes you'll see this, right? You'll see HSPs who give and give and give and give and give and give and give. And then one day it's like that wall just comes down so hard and they cannot talk to anybody or they have to just like cut ties and walk away from the relationship completely because it's the bridge is so burned. They just can't be in there anymore. Right. Whereas if you do it every day and you see, Oh, you know what? Like what happened today really threw off my balance. And I really feel like I'm I gave a bit too much and I'm just feeling too tired and depleted, then you know that very next day, okay, let me try to find a way. Or if it can't be that day, like as soon as possible, let me try to find a way to reset the balance, taking something that I need, talking to someone, putting up a boundary. And it just mm -hmm. becomes a lot easier, right? It's a lot easier to tell someone like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to come to the hospital this weekend, mm -hmm. but I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. Right. And pe people understand that a little bit better than like, I'm leaving forever. <laughs> right. It's a little bit less dramatic for you too. Right. Because then when you do those dramatic leaves, like that comes with a cost for you as well. So doing it, that that's one of the things that motivates me to do it more regularly. If I know if I do it in small pieces, it's much more manageable and it doesn't create those, those big dramatic moments later on. I'm curious, Thomas, the journaling you do with three or four sentence, are these how you're checking in emotionally, like what emotions you're feeling that day? Yeah, I basically just ask myself, what's what's going well, what's working well, and and what's in the way? That's the way I phrase it to myself. Mm. And it's usually pretty easy to figure out what's working well. I mean, I usually have that up at the top of my head but the what you know the what's in the way or what's bothering me question that's the one where i usually have to dig a little bit and it's like oh what what is that you know what's that about and sometimes i don't i don't really figure it out i just sort of recognize that it's there and it's like okay i'm gonna have to ponder this a little bit more or just just leave it open but just the fact that I recognize that something is is feeling not quite right is is a good thing, you know. Then I can mm -hmm. maybe change something that I'm doing. Hmm. Excellent. Just acknowledging it that it's there is probably a really helpful thing too. Yeah, it's 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 like eighty percent of of, <laughs> of where I need to go. It's like just just acknowledging is is um, so helpful. Yeah. 
acknowledging and accepting, honoring it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, the, of course, the accepting part, that's, that's uh, another part that's hard, right? It's hard to... We, we're so oriented to, to fixing things mm. in general. I mean, the culture is like that. It's like, mm. there's something wrong, go fix it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's, it's hard to accept that, you know, sometimes you just have to let something be or, or let something percolate or evolve or just, or reveal itself. And, and oftentimes it doesn't, you know, doesn't come right away. Mm. And then there's just some things that aren't fixable, right? They are as they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas, for clarifying that. Well, Lucy, I, I want to just acknowledge again what a wonderful gift you have of mm -hmm. your caregiving and your empathy. I'm curious to know if there were any points today that resonated with you. There were uh, a couple of them. The one that pops into my mind now is when uh, Robin was saying that you need to uh, act, like acknowledge every once in a while how are you feeling about about uh, how much you're giving and extra extra because then you can build up and then the wall can fall like really really sharply like at, at when when Robin said that it actually reminded me of uh, a friend to whom I was giving a lot it was uh, in middle school and I was I was giving a lot to her she was having really uh, important family issues and. Uh, I kept giving and like uh, welcoming her at my place, and at some point it was just it was just too much for me, and I couldn't anymore. And I cut and I cut all ties overnight. Mm -hmm. Like I just like I remember I blocked her on Facebook, and I think we were using MSN at that point. And yeah, I just cut all ties. And we were I, I grew up in a small village, and so like I, I would see her sometimes and just walk past the street and and yeah, it, because because at that point I just I had given too much, and the the bridge was all burned. I think this is the, met the metaphor that Robin used, and I, I think it was really true and spot on, spot on. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for joining us today, Lucy. You're welcome. And also, what you said, Thomas, about like, journaling uh, every day and like just checking if something's in the way. I, th I think that was a really good point. I think it's, I think it, I think it would be really helpful to know how if if you like yeah getting close to your boundaries and knowing. Yeah, we we don't. I think in general, we don't put enough emphasis on rituals. I think rituals are underrated and it's worth mm -hmm. having them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. It was, it was great having this chat with you. I think you brought up some really, um, some really interesting uh, points and things to think about. So thank you for, for having the courage to come on and ask your question. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Rain, and thank you, uh, Thomas and Robin. I was, I was, uh, I feel really privileged to be able to be on the podcast. It's a really great source of uh, motivation and inspiration for me as an HSP, and and you guys are really great to talk to. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you. Well, thanks, Lucy, and thank you, everybody, including our listeners. So please join us for our next episode, where we'll be having another interesting HSP conversation. To any HSPs out there who have a burning highly sensitive related question, big or small, we invite you to ask it on the HSP World podcast. Just email info at hsp.world. Our thanks to the HSP World Mastery Program and to all of you who support our show by subscribing and listening to our podcast, reading the blog posts on our website at hsp.world, and chatting with us on our social media channels. Your support is contributing to the upliftment 
of HSPs around the world. We're very grateful.